judgment. You're continually punishing them for something that they did that they acknowledged was wrong and you're not letting them go. Thank God that God doesn't do that for us. God knows everything about us and he says, look, I know everything you've done. I can't pretend like I don't know it. I am the all-knowing, all-powerful God. I'm just not going to hold it against you for the rest of eternity. Today's sacrifice was all about a substitution for atonement. For God's people, it was the sacrifice of an animal in a specific way and place. It was a burdensome process. But as Pastor Daniel explained today, it is truly an amazing gift that Jesus has been given to us as the eternal sacrifice. God takes our failings and that's hugely comforting as we reflect on the fact that he knows everyone. Despite that, he's willing to perfect us through sacrifice. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, The Sin Offering. Jesus is Jesus became our failings and we became Jesus' righteousness. That is what God has done for us. That is why we believe in Jesus and we are not ashamed to say, look, I am with Jesus. Because if you can get righteous by sitting crooked leg, trying to have no thoughts, That would be really cool and all, but that'd be really hard. It might hurt your legs after a while. Or if you say, look, I get made right with God by believing in Jesus and I become God's perfection because God already took my failings. But it's this transference of guilt. It's a transference of guilt. Now, so he lays the hands on on the head of the bull, thus in effect transferring the guilt. And then of course, the bull is killed, verse five. The anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood, bring it to the tabernacle meeting. Verse 6, the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. The priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of the sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle meeting. He shall pour the remaining blood of the bull at the base of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now you notice this. Because it's the priest, he is allowed inside the tabernacle. But notice, he's dipping his fingers and he's taking blood and it's a blood anointing ritual. Now we know that the Bible, the number seven is a type or a picture of completion. Like God created the heavens and earth in seven days. So the idea is, is that because the priest has sinned, It's as if all of the priestly furniture has also been defiled. So in this offering of the sacrifice, the priest is going and and anointing blood for cleansing on all the different parts of the ceremonial ritual. The burnt offering, we have the altar of incense, they're bringing in blood before that veil that separates the holy from the holy of holies. And that's why it's interesting, we're going to get later in the book of Leviticus, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. The book of Hebrews picks up on that. The idea that blood, crimson, red mistakes, sins, with the red blood of Jesus equals white as snow. That's what the prophet Isaiah tells us. So the idea is that when the blood is applied, 
there is cleansing. Isn't this the gospel? That we believe that we're right with God because the blood of Jesus has been applied to our lives through faith. But the priest goes through this whole thing. So first there's the blood anointing. Then, of course, you get what are we doing with the animal? So in verse 8, she'll take from it all the fat of the bull as the sin offering, the fat that covers the entrails, the fat which is on the entrails, the two kidneys, the fat that is on them by the flanks, the fatty lobe attached to the liver of the kidneys. He shall remove as it was taken from the bull of the sacrifice of the peace offering and the priest shall burn them on the altar of the burnt offering. So all the fat, the kidneys, that is sacrificed, burnt on the altar of the burnt offerings just the way it was in the peace offering, which we saw a couple weeks ago. Now in verse 11, but the bull's hide, so the skin and all its flesh with its head, its legs, its entrails and offal, the whole bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn it on wood with fire where the ashes are poured out, it shall be burned. Now what's interesting here is that now you have all the skin, the head and the legs, the priest as part of the sin offering, he has to take all of that, carry it outside the camp to where they brought all the ashes, so some disposal place, and burn all the hide outside the camp. And in a lot of ways, it's reminding them that this is so grievous that God needs to be outside the people. As a leader, you have forced it outside. So the, the priest is literally symbolically going outside of where all the sacrifice and burning it out there. It shows that sin separates it's what it does. It separates us from God. And so, so much of this is prophetic acting out, simply living out. Man, I need to take the skin and the head. I need to go outside the camp. I can't even burn it in the tabernacle area where I would normally be. I need to go outside. And it, it's meant to remind the high priests, those in leadership, of the responsibility of leadership. And, and I'm here to tell you, listen, because we all have responsibility and leadership spheres of influence. I really believe it's a stewardship thing for us. We need to say, God, I want to be a good steward of the sphere of influence you've given me. Oftentimes we want to pretend like we don't really have it, but everybody does. If you're a grandmother, if you're a grandfather, if you're an aunt or an uncle, if you're an employee or an employer, everybody has a sphere of influence, a sphere of leadership that God is calling us to take care of. And oftentimes we forget that we're not just there for a paycheck. We're not just there to make money or we're not just there because there's my family. But God has a purpose in us being there. So we need to be careful in regards to that. Now, when you move into verse 13, now we see what happens when the whole community makes a mistake. So look at verse 13. Now, if the whole congregation of Israel, verse 13, sins unintentionally, and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly... And they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which should not be done and are guilty. When the sin which they've committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull for its sin and bring it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord and the bull shall be killed before the Lord. The anointed priests shall bring some of the bull's blood to the tabernacle of meeting. Then the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. And he shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar, which is before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall pour the remaining blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall take all the fat from it and burn it on the altar. 
and he shall do with the bull as he did with the bull as a sin offering. Thus he shall do it, do with it. So the priest shall make atonement for them and it shall be forgiven them. Then he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it as he burned the first bull. It is a sin offering for the assembly. Now, you see that this offering is exactly the same as what happened for the priest with the exception of it's instead of the priest putting his hands on the bull, now you have the elders. So you can imagine if a priest goes sideways or has some aberrant teaching, by and large, the people are going to follow. What they're saying is that if the community as a whole starts to err and they realize it, then they need to offer the same sin offering. The only difference, instead of the priest putting his hands in the transference of the guilt, they're the elders or the leaders of the assembly of the people come and they do it. And then the anointed priest, the priest does all the same rituals exactly the same way. So what's interesting now is that there are such a thing as corporate sins, sins of all the people. And what's interesting is you can imagine, well, does everybody really commit the exact same sin? God holds them to account as a community, as a community. Even though there might be some people who had nothing to do with it, they as a people have still erred, still erred. Now, what's interesting about this, because everything's the same, and we looked at all this, what is unique about this discussion is notice what it says in verse 20. It says, and he shall do with the bull as he did with the bull as a sin offering, thus he shall do with it. Now notice this. So the priest shall make atonement for them and it shall be forgiven them. Now, those two concepts, atonement and forgiveness, now it's introduced for the whole assembly, but this is the point of the sin offering. Atonement. Think about it. It's three words put together. At one meant. The idea of atonement, it's bringing back together that which has been separated. Because of the mistakes of the people, God and his people are at odds. And God, I want to bring them back to at one mint. I want to bring them back together. I want to bring peace where there has been a severing of peace. So the idea of atonement is bringing back into unity. And the idea of forgiveness is saying that God is choosing although acknowledging their faults to pass over their faults because of the animal sacrifice. Do you see that? So one is them coming together and two is the means that God is overlooking what they did. Now I'm here to tell you, listen, forgiveness is not forgetting what someone's done. It's choosing not to hold it against them for the rest of their lives. Some of us need to hear this because we have had things go against us And people have come and said, look, will you forgive me? And you're saying, yes, but you really don't. Because you still hold it against them. There's really no such thing as forgiving and forgetting. Forgiveness is never forgetting, but choosing not to punish them for the rest of their lives for it. And as I was studying, and I I put this message together, and I was looking over everything, I just got the strong sense from the Lord that this is a word for some people in here. You need to let some people off the hook for things that have gone on. They asked for forgiveness. You said you gave it to them, but you're still holding on to it. That's not forgiveness. That's actually judgment. You're continually punishing them for something that they did that they've acknowledged was wrong, and you're not letting them go. Thank God 
that God doesn't do that for us. God knows everything about us. And he says, look, I know everything you've done. I can't pretend like I don't know it. I am the all-knowing, all-powerful God. I'm just not going to hold it against you for the rest of eternity. I gave it to my son. My son took care of it. And I've separated you from it. I know you did it. I just don't hold it against you anymore. And I really believe, I really believe that God wants to free some of us in here, maybe watching online, wants to free us to love people again. Not that you have to forget it. Just don't hold it against them anymore because God took the punishment for those things. And don't forget, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping the other people dies. I mean, how illogical, right? You're like, I'm, not, I'm never going to forgive them. And you're the one who's getting, who's, who drank the poison. And you're hoping it affects them, but really the only person that gets hurt is you. You're not free to love. You're not free to, to move past. You're not free to let somebody do something new and better and be different. So part of what God did for us in Jesus, he didn't forget what we've done. He's just choosing not to hold it against us forever. And that's what real forgiveness is. Real forgiveness is knowing what's gone on and making a decision of the will to say, I'm not going to hold it against you anymore. God has forgiven you. So will I. I know it happened. We can't pretend like it didn't happen, but we're going to move on from it. But when you choose not to forgive, you never move on from that moment. There's no growth. Growth gets stunted right there. And I believe for many of us, because we live in a broken world, there's lots of stunted growth. There's relationships that we should have not held it against him, but we do. And maybe you're like, I, I have, hey, pastor, that's all great. It's the Bible. You're doing your job. But you know what? I'm justified in holding it against them. Hmm. I would love for that to be the case that lets us all off the hook. But Jesus has all these parables, like, like the parable about the guy who owed an infinite debt. And the, the guy who he was in debt to said, look, I forgive you his debt. I forgive you the debt, don't worry. Sure, you'd never be able to pay, I just forgive you. And then he goes to a person who has a little measly debt, the guy who's been forgiven this infinite debt. He goes to this guy with this little measly debt and, and he holds the guy and he throws him in jail and the guy's like, what are you doing? I've forgiven you an infinite debt and you're throwing a guy in jail for a small debt? See, if we have accepted the grace of God, we, God has forgiven us of an infinite debt. And no matter how horrendous what someone has done to you, it's still measly compared to the infinite debt that God has forgiven us. And that's why Jesus says things, if you will not forgive, then you will not be forgiven. He's not saying that it's, it's conditional on our understanding. He's saying if you realize the enormity of your transgressions, how can you hold something against somebody else? If I can do this, then so can you as you respond to my grace. So listen, if you're in here today, you're harboring unforgiveness. Someone has come and said, I'm sorry, I've confessed, but you're not willing to let them off the hook for it. I wanna encourage you, bring it to the Lord. Say, Lord, help me understand what you've forgiven me of. I'm not, I'm not gonna guilt you into it. I think that as we move into a deeper awareness of God's grace, it becomes a lot easier to forgive other people because you start to realize, man, what God's forgiveness is so enormous that as much as this hurt and as horrible as this was, it's nothing compared to what God has forgiven me. And God, I want to just respond to your grace by passing along a little bit of grace. So don't feel condemned. I realize that we get hurt. Don't feel condemned, but let God show you the enormous nature of his grace. And then simply respond to that and say, Lord, let me be like you. 
Because in the human heart, just write them off. They're done. Finito. Sorry, bud. No soup for you. No, you're stuck here forever. That's the human heart. But the heart of God is different, isn't it? So as we understand the depths of grace, the depths of his forgiveness, then we say, Lord, not only do I want to experience it, but help me to pass it along. Help me to be a flow through for that grace. So verse 20 explains the sin offering. It's about bringing back into unity that at one the atonement and forgiveness, choosing not to hold it against somebody any longer. Now look at verse 22. When a ruler has sinned, and does something unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord, his God, in anything which should not be done and is guilty, or if his sin, which he has committed, comes to his knowledge, he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a male without blemish, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the goat, kill it at the place where they kill the burnt offerings before the Lord. It is a sin offering. Verse 25, the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and pour its blood at the base of the altar of the burnt offering. And he shall burn all the fat on the altar like the fat of the sacrifice of the peace offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin and it shall be forgiven him. Now the focus is down. Remember, we had the, the priest then we had the whole community, and now we have a ruler. And so each tribe of the children of Israel were composed of clans, and each tribe and clan, they had leaders. It's a very strong patriarchal culture. So we're saying if one of the patriarchs, if one of the clan's leaders, the chieftains of one of these tribes or within the tribe sins, then I want you to come. Now notice, the sacrifice is almost exactly the same, except instead of being a young bull, now it's a kid of the goats. So again, still an expensive sacrifice, one that a ruler or a chieftain could afford, but not as expensive as for the high priest or for the community as a whole. And pretty much everything runs almost the exact same way. We get almost the exact same details, an abbreviated version of it, but still the exact same details. Now in verse 27, look, if anyone of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done and is guilty, or if his sin, which he has committed, comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin, which he had committed. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering. Verse 30, then the priest shall take some of the blood with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering, pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat, as fat is removed from the sacrifice of the burnt offering. And the priest shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for him and it shall be forgiven him. Now notice, this is if any individual, just, it's not a, it's not a chieftain, it's not, it's not the whole congregation, it's not a high priest, it's just anybody. Now notice, their offering, it could be a female of the herd. So remember, in that culture, the males were more expensive of the goats than the females. Why? Because they could procreate. And so you could have one male if, in that kind of a culture, and I never did any shepherding, but you can mate a male with a number of females and, and grow the herd. So for any common person, it could be a female offering. Didn't only have to be a male offering. And again, it pretty much runs the same ritual. You find the burn. Now we find that that, that fat that is burned is a sweet-smelling aroma, which we, remember we've been saying that's a Hebraic way of saying it's well-pleasing to the Lord. 
Not that God just like digs a barbecue, although we like to joke about that. And we all know that barbecues smell pretty good. And you guys know when you guys are barbecuing and the fat's hitting the coals, it smells really, really good. You know what I mean? But the idea is that this is a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. So once again, it runs the whole thing. The only difference is, of course, is now you get the female is allowed to be offered, the female goat. And then verse 32, the offering of a lamb. If he brings a lamb as his sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. Then he shall lay his hands on the head of the sin offering, verse 33, and kill it as a sin offering at the place where they kill the burnt offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. Then the priest shall burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for his sin that he has committed and it shall be forgiven him. Now, the offering of a lamb pretty much runs the same way as all of the other offerings. It's used. So if the average person said they could either bring a female goat or now a female lamb. And again, because it's a different animal, certain things are a little different, but it pretty much runs the same idea. And so I want to close us this evening. I want to remind us of the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. It says, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. See, when you look at all of these sin offerings, when we sin unintentionally, we don't realize we've done it, and then we realize we do it, then in order for forgiveness to happen, there needs to be a, an offering, an offering. And, and the Christian faith is, yes, there needs to be an offering, but that offering has already been taken care of by Jesus. Jesus is the new and better offering. He's the offering that ends all offering. You don't need another offering because Jesus already did it. Because Jesus is not only the offering but he is also the great high priest who makes the offering. He is the mediator and the very offering that is necessary. And that is why I'll be honest with you. The more time I spend walking with Jesus, the more I am eternally grateful for who Jesus is. Jesus never should get boring for us. Because when you realize that not only is he the priest and he is the mediator, but he is also the offering himself. He died the death that I deserve. Why? Because he lived the life that I could never live. It's an amazing thing when we realize that. It's an amazing thing that Jesus lived the life that we were supposed to live. And then he went and he died the death that we deserved so that we could have a relationship with God that he's had since the foundations of the earth. Jesus is If you're like me, you forget things all the time. Well, here's Pastor Daniel with something that will help you remember. 
Hey everyone, Pastor Daniel here. I don't know about you, but life is busy and it's so easy to forget things. Now, thankfully, I have a couple of wonderful ladies in my life that join me in helping to accomplish all that God has called me to. Of course, I think of my beautiful bride, Lynn. She keeps me on track in so many ways. And then of course, there's my ministry assistant, Margaret, here at Crossroads. She helps me to make sure that my schedule in the ministry is running smoothly. Now, I love how God uses these ladies and so many other people to help remind me of what's important. One of the easiest things to forget isn't daily things like the schedule. It's actually the most important thing. It's the fact that God is real and he is in heaven and he is with me all the time, wherever I go. It may sound silly, but I started wearing a bracelet that says real on it. This bracelet is a constant reminder to me that Jesus is real and that God's grace is real and his mercy and his love has been poured out into my life. And I wanna make this bracelet available to you as well. Here's Josh with some information about how you can get your very own real bracelet. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. To receive your very own real bracelet, check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. These handcrafted leather bracelets are available to anyone who supports Jesus Is Real Radio through the month of January with a gift of $20 or more. Again, to receive your very own real bracelet, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Again, that's JesusIsRealRadio.com. Please join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.